I want to take this opportunity to welcome you to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord and be able to worship together. God is good, is he not? And we worship a, a, a loving, merciful, and wonderful God. I want to ask you just to take your bulletin this morning and we'll hit, hit the highlights. Uh, I am thankful for the flowers that are in the sanctuary this morning. Um, today is a, a weird day. For me especially, it doesn't seem real. But um, anyway, just continue to pray for us today. On the back, you've got a list of the things that are going on this week and today. Next Sunday is a, a special time of worship as our sanctuary choir will be presenting Behold the Lamb. And that will kick off our Passion Week, Holy Week services, which you will see those listed in the bulletin as well. Well, let's continue this morning in worship. And I recognize Miss uh, Barbara Dawkins as she shares with us our mission moment this morning. Since Doug is not here, Doug Bryant's not here to substitute for me today, <laughs> I'll go ahead and do the missions moment. But in your bulletins this morning, you will find a prayer guide for the week of prayer for home missions and for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. <coughs> the goal for this year's offering is $70 million. This offering will be used to support more than 5,000 North American Mission Board missionaries, 1,926 of which are serving as lead church planters in the United States. 885 are apprentices, interims, or team members. Some will go to the State Baptist Conventions for rural church planting, and some to increase the number of church planting churches from 4% to 10%. In 1895, the Home Mission Board was $25,000 in debt. That meant that the missionaries would have to leave the field, and Annie Armstrong, who was the executive director of WMU, could not let that happen. She led Women's Missionary Union to pray and to contribute $5,000. Annie Armstrong, however, did more than just pray and give, for she heard God's plea, Whom shall I send, and who will go for me? She had the grit to go sharing Christ with Native Americans, African Americans, immigrants, and children. That was 1895. But what about 2016? Does it bother us that people are in pain, burdened by sin? Is the task so overwhelming that we feel powerless? Do we care that a church planter is losing hope? Do we spend more on a daily espresso, cable TV, or a vacation than we give to missions? Are we deaf to God's plea? Then I heard the voice of God saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Or do we ignore him because it is safer and more comfortable? My prayer this morning is that we, as Boiling Springs Baptist Church, will answer God's call. Here we are.
we continue to praise our awesome God, please stand as we sing hymn number 202, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. I invite the children to come forward. How many of you know what one of these is? This is a map that we used to keep in our car, that we used to need to know where we were going. And we could turn on the map and we could find a road and we could go wherever we needed to go. But now a lot of us use our phones and we have to listen. And I don't know about y'all, and maybe your moms and your dads, we don't always listen to the man or the lady on the phone that tells us where to go. We should, but we don't. But the one thing we need to be using as our map to know whether we're going right or left or backwards or forwards or getting lost on the roads is our Bible. This is our map. This is our map to tell us where we're going. God tells us in so many words, in so many verses, which way we need to be going when we have a problem, when we need help, or when things are going good. He tells us how to praise and to say thank you. Our verse today comes from John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we need to understand the Bible. We need to take time to read the Bible. Jesus and God are our directions. 
We've talked before about talking to God and asking him for help. And that's when we're asking him for direction. God, how do you want to handle me today? Which way do you want me to go? So this week, if you come up on a stump or a problem or a friend who needs an extra hug or love, ask God to help you know how to handle that. And he'll lead you in the right direction. Before we pray, I want to remind you and those who have children in the neighborhood, we have an Easter egg hunt Saturday at 11 o'clock. There'll be two hunts, one for the little ones and one for the big ones. So please come out and join us. So let us pray. Dear God, the direction for our lives is written. It is in our Bible, and through you it is in our hearts. Lead us as we work with our children, as we work with the youth, as we work with the congregation. Help us to know the right direction to go each day. Protect us. Take care of us. We are your children. And it is through your son, Jesus, that we say thank you. Amen. Our next hymn of praise is hymn number four, To God Be the Glory. Please stand as we sing together.
want to uh, remind you this uh, week, I, I know I mentioned in our newsletter that went out at the beginning of the month that I would have some things in the office if some of you maybe wanted a little flyer, a little note to invite that would help you maybe invite someone to church during the Easter season, the season of Lent, and uh, we will have those in the office this week. I'm going to work on that tomorrow morning, and so if you would like to, maybe you work somewhere where you could just set a little invitation or a little uh, thing that would help maybe create some conversation about church. You know, this coming Sunday, we have the uh, cantata, uh, Behold the Lamb, am I right? And so uh, that'll be this coming Sunday. And so, like I said, people are just very open at this time of the year to uh, maybe uh, come back to church if they haven't been in a while, or maybe come if they've never been. And so I hope you will pray and invite others in our community along with me in these next couple weeks. Let me mention something briefly before I pray. Uh, starting point is a, a time where we, uh, since I came last summer, we every two or three months we'll have an opportunity for people who have been visiting Boiling Springs Baptist and want to learn a little bit more about us to come and uh, to meet the staff and just hear a little bit about, about who we are as a church. And so we'll have another one of those next Sunday, realizing that we may have some guests. If you know of some that would be interested in coming, we will be meeting in the fellowship hall and uh, I'll stay after the staff goes on to their classes. I'll stay and just have a time with these guests of just introducing myself and talking a little bit more about our church. But it's been a great, uh, a great ministry, a great tool for many who have plugged in to the life of our church. And so I hope you will consider encouraging somebody to be a part of that time next Sunday at 945 in the fellowship hall called Starting Point. I'm going to ask Wesley to come up and join me. Um, as he comes up, let's continue to remember Bob and Ray Lamb, who are at home and, and not feeling well. John Cannon, as he will be coming back soon with knee surgery. Uh, we have others that uh, are continuing to deal with, with grief and with loss. Uh, I was in Winston over the weekend for my youth minister and now pastor at College Park Baptist in Winston-Salem. Raymond Smith, his son, passed away unexpectedly last week, and I was there for that this weekend. And uh, just a, a devastating situation. Uh, but yet, uh, they do not grieve as those who have no hope. Um, and so I would appreciate your prayers for them as well. But uh, we have another prayer concern this morning, and uh, we want to pray for Wesley as well. We rejoice in eight, nine years of ministry. I'm glad this pulpit's big. Both of us can stand right here, brother. Um, but uh, we just rejoice. Uh, many of you, your children have been raised under Wesley and have just uh, been taught and, and experienced sports and mission trips and, and just... Uh, good times, funny times, times we don't want to talk about this morning, um, but uh, we are excited. And I, I was going to tell the church, you know, I'm glad that, uh, well, I'm not glad that this is happening, but uh, I'm glad if it, if, it, if it was meant to happen, that it's happening now and not in, in my second month or first month of being here. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Wesley has been a, a tremendous help in, in helping me to get acclimated into Boiling Springs and into the church and, and uh, bouncing ideas uh, off, off of him and, and uh, very much appreciate you Wesley and love you and, and we're going to be praying for you as a church and uh, staff meetings won't be quite the same um, but uh, we're going to be praying for you and thinking of you and we just want to do that this morning let's pray together Father I thank you for this morning I thank you for this church I thank you for what Wesley has meant to so many in this congregation Father I pray for your, your blessings on he and his wife and Avery and I just ask Lord that you would bless them that you would lead them Lord, equip them with the things that will be needed. Lord, uh, I know it's, it's kind of like uh, building a plane while you're in the air. Lord, help him as he figures out, Lord, uh, and just uh, continues to, to discover what you're doing in and through him and through the Greater Cleveland County Baptist Association. Mm -hmm. uh, bless his new work, his new ministry, and again, Lord, bless his family. We ask that, uh, this, uh, that this day would be a special day for him, that this afternoon would be a special time for this church to come by and uh, to speak a word of encouragement, a uh, word of kindness to Wesley and his family. Lord, bless our church as we begin to uh, discern what your will is for our future in regards to staffing and what that might look like. And Lord, give us direction and give us your wisdom and guidance in that. We lift up these who are sick today and who are nursing wounds or who are undergoing treatments. Father, we pray for your presence with them today in a very special way. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and, how the, and the direction that he provides to each of us in our lives. Lord, may you continue to provide that direction for us as a church. Thank you for your presence here this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Just a reminder that uh, we will have a reception for Wesley and Bonnie and Avery this afternoon from 2 to 3.30 in the Fellowship Hall, and we'd love for you to be here. Thank you.
You know, when I came here almost nine years ago, I had a couple of conversations with some folks. And the same question I asked those couple of people, can I do this? Is this, is this going to be okay? Um, and, and you know, Georgia... That, that was the reply that I got, was yes. And those couple of people assured me of one thing, because it's not you that's doing it. And I've been reminded of that often, that 
as hard as we try to put our, our, ourselves in certain places, God puts us where he needs us to be. And I believe that. And as I begin to think about sharing with you just a minute this morning, I got to tell you that Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 just kept jumping out to me because I believe always that the best is yet to come. That we serve a mighty God who I have seen do some crazy things. It's been my honor and privilege to be able to see God at work in all of you. And I will continue to see that because God is at work and God is good. Paul says in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I do fight back tears because there is a peace that is sad. But God, there's a bigger piece of me that is extremely thankful and happy and joyous because you are a God that does way more than we could ever imagine. You do more than we can ask for. And we thank you for being that God. That God that continues to pour out your love and your grace and your mercy. That continues to give us the ability to trust you in faith. When we can't see where we're going. But we know that you are guiding us. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing in the lives of those around us. To be a part of what you're doing all over. That's what's cool about being a part of the body of Christ. Being able to, to take the, the financial gift that you have given us and being able to share that with others. We're grateful to be able to be a part of that. But Lord, I pray that your spirit would continue to move and to stir. And may we be reminded that you're doing more and you continue to do more. And that the best is yet to come. Because one day we're going to be able to see you face to face. But God, I also can't help but think about those who don't have that hope because they don't know you. God, I pray that you would give us the ability to let them see you in us. Father, I pray that you would bless this offering. God, that you would continue to use this church to be a light in a dark world so that everyone can see you. May you be glorified for you are worthy. I thank you for the lives of those that have been very close to me and my family. And I pray blessings on all of them. Again, Father, we say thank you. And we pray all these things in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Amen.
I would encourage you to follow in either your Bible, Pew Bible, as we read the scripture this morning. A very familiar passage, John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. May God add his blessings to the reading, to our hearing and understanding of his word. John 14, 1 through 6. And I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. Uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me.
You know, we started a service today with the hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. We sang another one, To God Be the Glory, that referenced and spoke of, had a strong message of Christ. We sang hymns, I Must Tell Jesus, and then we sang a hymn, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. And then our choir has led us in a beautiful version of a song, Come to Jesus. And I was reading the front of the bulletin as well. Not only does it say Jesus is the way, you know of our text today as well, but in our welcome statement, uh, it says, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us as we seek to walk in the way of Jesus. As people of faith, as people of Christ, as Christians, is our goal. We don't often achieve it. But it is our goal to walk in the way of Jesus. And as a church, as staff, and as leaders, we seek to lead others to walk in the way of Jesus. Although we are not perfect in our walk, but yet that is our goal. That is what we strive for. The sermon series over the last few weeks has been Jesus according to Jesus. Who did Jesus say that he was? What did Jesus say about himself? And what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for me, we looked at I am the light of the world, and not only is Jesus the light, but we are to reflect that light to others. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. As we receive the shepherd's care, we in turn must show that same care to those in whom we relate with each week as well. And today, we are to the passage that could be controversial for some who may see things differently, but Jesus, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, And no man cometh to the Father but by me. Let me ask you a question this morning. In the midst of news, in the midst of our world today, you know, we couldn't help but I know in some small groups in Sunday school this morning talk about our world and somebody had requested just to to be in prayer for our world and for our country, our nation. But let me ask you, are you ready for some good news? Are you ready for some good news? I see some smiles. There you go. All right. Well, I'm ready for some good news as well. And Jesus is that good news. John's gospel gives us the clearest picture of Jesus in all of scripture. I will often uh, counsel and talk and encourage, challenge those who are new in their faith or who, who are those who've just kind of been coasting for a while to go back to the gospel of John and to start at the beginning and to just slowly read, whether you read a few verses a day, a chapter a day, or maybe you want to sit down and read the entire book, but to start with John and begin to remind yourself of the significance of Jesus Christ. The significance of who he was and why he came and what he did. And what does that mean for you and me and for our world today? And so if you are at that place where you need, as we go into Easter, we've all been challenged and hopefully many of you are listening. And to continue to do that, even if you've maybe fallen behind and missed several days, continue to do that. Continue to listen to the scripture. But my hope is as well that you'll spend some time in John. And that you'll remind yourself of who Jesus was. What's all this talk about Jesus? We sing songs about him. We got pictures of him. Everything, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's because he is a big deal. He is. And he is a bearer of good news. His message is that of hope, of forgiveness, and of salvation. And it's my hope that each of you will respond to the invitation the choir has extended to us to come to Jesus. As we enter into John 14, Jesus had just shared a meal, the Last Supper, with his disciples. And in in chapter 13... Jesus pointed out his betrayer, Judas Iscariot, and Judas departs. And so Jesus begins to speak in a little bit of a different tone, a little bit of a different way with his disciples. In chapter 13, verse 33, he tells them, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews now, I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Put yourself, if you will, in this setting with the disciples and All of a sudden, the teacher, the leader, the one who you have followed, you have given up everything in your life, now says that he's leaving. And he says that where I'm going, you cannot come. Think about that. What would that be like for our families if we heard somebody say that? Somebody we love, somebody we're close to, maybe even outside our family, to say, I'm I'm going going away. Where I'm going, you can't come. Down in verse 36, Simon Peter, in, verse thir- in chapter 13, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus responds, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. So put yourself in this setting 
And then let's go into the beginning of chapter 14, where Jesus says to an anxious, troubled group of men who have been following him, who have given up everything over these last three years, he now speaks to them in the midst of their anxiety, in the midst of their trouble, and he says, let not your heart be troubled. Are you troubled this morning? One of the clear things that distinguishes Bowling Springs from most, a lot of other churches is our diversity. I think it's a strength of ours. But one of the things that we all have in common this morning are troubles. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? All right. Um, that's what the preacher did when I grew up, so I guess it's a good thing to do. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things we all have in common are troubles. Your troubles may not be my troubles. Mine may not be yours. But we all have them. It could be family dynamic, seeing, seeing the world differently, seeing faith differently. It could be seeing parenting differently, marriage could be seeing how we should respond to culture in our world today and how much uh, as, as Christians do we need to be in the world and not of the world and how, how does that look for you and your family and how does that look for my family. Uh, but nevertheless, some of the trouble we invite upon ourselves, but needless to say, some of the trouble finds its way to us whether we look for it or not. The disciples have just heard that their leader is leaving. Now, they've heard his teaching. They could try to process and put things together, but much like you and I, sometimes we can't always do that. And so they're, they're, I'm sure some are thinking things that others are think, you know, not thinking and, and so forth. But to in, again, into this anxiety, into this uh, trouble, into this uh, you know, worrisome spirit that the disciples have, Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he encourages them in, in, by these words. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. He's telling these anxious men, this trou these troubled men this. If I go and prepare a place for you, what? I will come again. This is good news. And receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And then we come to Thomas. You got to love Thomas. I love Thomas. Thomas, I think, has many similarities. We often get Thomas a bad rap because he was the doubter. He was the one who says, I'll believe him when I see those nail prints in his hands and I see the wounds in his flesh. Enter the scene comes Thomas here in John 14. Thomas, I think, was a little bit like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. And let me explain myself about this. Thomas, uh, back if you look in, in, um, in uh, verse 11, uh, chapter 11, uh, here in John, you know, uh, Lazarus has just been raised from the dead and, and Jesus doesn't want to go into Jerusalem and uh, he, he knows what could happen and uh, he, he knows that, Jesus knows that he's you know, about to face some you know, impending persecution and, and, and uh, he knows that, that his tough days are ahead and he knows he's going to die. And Thomas says in the midst of this, well, I might as well go with him as well. I might as, I might as well go and die as well. It's kind of like, you know, Thomas, I think, was a little bit of a pessimist as well, but it's like, well, if Jesus is going to go die, I might as well go die with him. And uh, like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, well, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so here goes so Thomas asking this question. Thomas, like I said, he gets a bad rap, but he's committed. Earlier in the chapter, like I just said, he's willing to die as well. He's, he's, well Jesus is going to die, well, we might as well go die too. So he's, his faith is, is, is strong. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. How is the way used in Scripture? We hear this term, the way, a lot. In, in the first place, way is used to suggest a course or a path, a way of life that is definable and distinguishable. For instance, in Proverbs, Solomon talks about there is a way of wisdom. There's a way of an ant. Proverbs 6, I believe. And then he talks about the way to her house, to wisdom's house. It's used in other ways, some, in, some directly and some indirectly. Exodus is a way out of slavery for the people of Israel. The Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, is the one who made a way through the sea. 
Isaiah in 35.8, and I could name many, many references, but he says, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. The wicked fools will not go about on it. Through the Psalms, we read of the, of the way laid down, the way laid out for the man of God. Psalm 119, numerous times, speaks of the ways of the Lord. John the Baptist in the New Testament, moving on, says, The voice of one calling in the desert, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Today, many think that the way of God is so mysterious that it cannot be understood. Paul referenced this as well in his day. In Ephesians 3 and 4, chapter 4, he talked about the mystery of God. While God's way is understandable and capable of being traveled, it is narrow and confining. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. In the New Testament terminology and concept, there's no doubt or question about the way. Jesus emphatically and decisively said of himself to his disciples, I am the way. In Acts, Paul is on trial before Felix. He admitted to worshiping God and he also admitted to being a follower of the way before they were called Christians. We often know from Acts that they were referred to as people of the way. There are two things here in today's passage that we've both spent a little time on this morning. I don't know if you've caught them, but one is the trouble and the anxiety that the disciples are feeling about Jesus going away. And then Jesus comforts the disciples. So we have the trouble and the anxiety, and then we have Jesus saying that he is the way. Many of you sometimes lose our way in the midst of our trouble, don't we? We know the way. We know how to seek answers to the questions that we have. We may not always fully be able to comprehend those difficult answers at times, or maybe an unwillingness to, to hear the answers, but yet we look to Christ in the midst of trying to find our way. Maybe we've gotten lost, or maybe we're off course, or maybe we've just taken a side road, and we have transitioned from the way. We've taken our eyes off of Christ, if you will. We all know what being troubled is like, as we said earlier. We can all relate to what it's like to be troubled. Jesus is the way in the midst when we're troubled with grief, when the loss seems so painful, when the reality of the new, when the new reality begins to set in and it seems almost too painful to bear. Jesus is the way through that loss. He's the way through that pain. He's the way through temptation or temptations. As we begin to put our eyes on Jesus, those temptations don't have the same appeal as they once did. For the parent of the young child, for the parent of the youth, when you're doubting, is he going to or she going to continue to follow in the ways that we've taught him or her? For the parent of a young adult in college or away for a week on spring break or um, whatever it may be, we as parents ask, are they going to continue to follow the way? Are they going to look to Jesus as the way in the midst of their trouble, in the midst of their fun, in the midst of their education, in the midst of their just life? Will they look to the way? For those who are struggling with loneliness or singles, um, with maybe some with failing health or job insecurity, Jesus is the way. He's the way when we're troubled by the unexpected. He's the way when we're troubled with crisis. He's the way when we're troubled or concerned about what this next position or what this next phase of life will look like. Jesus is the way. John 14, 16, Jesus comforted the disciples once again. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And that helper has a capital H. And that helper, you and I know to be the Holy Spirit. Are you and I allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in the midst of our trouble? Again, it may be trouble we brought on ourselves. 
But it may not be trouble that we've asked for. It may be trouble that has simply come screaming at our door and has found its way into our homes and into our lives and into our hearts and into our minds, and it leaves us with great anxiety. But Jesus said, I, am, I will go to the Father and I will ask uh, him to give you, or he will give you another, a helper, that he may be with you forever. John 16, Jesus later says, In this world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. People of God, that this morning is good news. I'm reminded also of Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Let me read those this morning. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance in the sin. Again, this would be the trouble that maybe we bring on ourselves, which so easily entangles life. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The author and the perfecter of our faith. I want to share with you quickly this morning four ways the disciples made Jesus their way. They stayed connected with Jesus in a small community. The importance of having a community of believers, of like-minded friends who you can spend and share life with is so important. It was important for the disciples and it's important for you and I together today as well. They stayed connected, again, they, uh, four ways the first disciples made Jesus their way. They stayed connected to a small community. They also developed practices that deepened their connection to God. They developed practices that deepened their connection to God. Uh, in Luke 11.1, 1, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. They saw the power of prayer in Jesus' life. But not only with prayer, with, let us think about Bible study. Let us think about journaling. Let us think about worship and music and uh, maybe surrounding ourselves with people who can help us form new habits uh, of discipleship and of prayer and of what it means to follow Christ and to be a committed follower of the way. They develop practice that deepen their connection to God. They also practice sacrifice. Adopting the Jesus way also meant practicing sacrifice. Sacrifice is not easy, but the disciples are great examples of experiencing the profound joy that one can experience in the midst of of sacrifice. Some of you know what this is like. You've experienced it firsthand. If you could give testimony this morning of ways that you have sacrificed for your family so your children would follow Jesus and would others can follow Jesus, you could give testimony. There's other things that you could have done with your money, but you've given it to the church. You've given it to missions. You've given it to other causes that, so that other people can discover that Jesus is the way. He is the way for salvation. He's the way, for, he's the way through grief, again, and temptation. What have you sacrificed and how are you and I sacrificing so that others can know that Jesus is the way? And the disciples also, the last thing is they showed compassion to all people. They released their prejudices, although slowly. They reached out to people they would otherwise not reach out to. They began to notice people that otherwise, that others overlooked. When we make Jesus our way, this is what happens. In the, the old classic book, I think it was written in late 1800s by Charles Sheldon. The name of the book was called In His Steps. And at the beginning of the book, a pastor begins to befriend this homeless person that has come to the church. And this homeless person comes to stay with the pastor only to uh, experience uh, just a few days later the death of this person. And the pastor was so impacted by what had just happened, he challenged his people and the whole book is about the stories of the people who were challenged to walk in the way of Jesus. Back in the 1990s, it was so popular at one point, many of you will remember the bracelets. Some of you wore them. You remember what they said? What would Jesus do? The story behind that question came from Charles Sheldon's book, In His Steps. In the 1990s, there was a rebirth. I think it started from a small youth group in the Michigan, or it was Missouri, I'm getting my M states messed up, but it, but it was a small youth group that started this, this idea of, of, of asking ourselves and in, in the youth and, and in our church, what would Jesus do? And so in the book, Charles Sheldon challenged, or the, the, the pastor in the book that Charles Sheldon writes, challenges his church to respond to that question for a year, and what would Jesus do? And so there's testimony after testimony after testimony in the book of what began to happen and how people were using their giftedness and using their skill sets and their talents to respond in a way that Jesus would have them to respond. What does it mean for you and I to live the Jesus way 
in our everyday life. As people who follow Jesus, who want to pursue the Jesus way, what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? What does it look like for a church, for our youth ministry, for our children's ministry, for the choir and our music ministry? What does it look like in my role as pastor, in your role as Sunday school teacher, deacon, leader, uh, volunteer in some way, as a greeter? What does it look like for us as a church and as individuals to follow the Jesus way? Have you placed your faith in the one who is the way? The way to God and the way through life's difficulties. What's the first step in being a follower of the way? First step is turning our eyes upon Jesus. I want you to sing the chorus of this song with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, we come to you at this hour desiring to fix our attention upon you. Forgive us, Lord, when we have turned and looked away from the direction that you have charted for us, when we pursued other things in this world that uh, and have made them at times more important than our relationship with you. Father, it's our desire today to turn our eyes upon you. If our eyes have been looking in other directions, uh, Lord, for uh, insight and for just direction in life, Father, we want to recommit our lives to you this day. And so, Father, speak to each heart here in this place. Lord, we all come from different places, different backgrounds, different experiences in life, different ways of seeing things. But, Father, I pray that in the midst of our diversity, we would come together unified on the fact that you are the way and that you can provide that direction for our lives. Help us, Lord, as we seek to be godly parents, godly men and godly women, godly marriages and seek to lead our community and our nation and our world to walk the Jesus way. Teach us how to do that, Father. We ask it in his name. Amen. Will you stand with me? Hymn number 320, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.
glad you're in God's house today. Would you say amen? Amen. amen. I want to encourage you to come back this afternoon. There'll be a reception from 2 to 3.30 uh, for the Smiths, for the family. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to, to come back and be a part of that. There are no evening activities. And so I just want to encourage each of you to uh, spend some time with your family, maybe do something uh, that uh, is, a, is a part of the way of following Jesus, whether that's spending time with your family or whether that's doing something for someone else maybe in the community. And so um, let's close now with our benediction, which I think our choir and, and Linda will be leading us in.